This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. Hello and welcome to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio with me, Johnny Burrow, and of course Nick Gillard and Dr. Kernaz from Back of the Nest. Fellas, how are we? Yeah, good after that um, victory over Burnley. Um, and we've got a massive game coming up against Brighton, so excited. It's been, it's been a good week for Palace fans. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had Man United since then. That was a little bit disappointing. I uh, thought we could have got more out of that. And Jeffrey Schlupp, who I want to talk about later kind of figured in why we lost that game, I think. Came through as a trainee at United, didn't he, Schlupp, as well? I, I, I think. Either that or Leicester, I know. I'm, he was at Leicester, but I think he was a yeah. trainee at United. Let's kick off our chat with Burnley. That was a really impressive performance, wasn't it? Particularly coming forward, not least from Wilfred Zahar. Yeah, I think um, first half we started a bit slow, and second half we grew into the game, and it's been pretty much the story of Palace. It's been game of two halves. We tend to always struggle in the first half, and in the second half the games tend to open up a bit more, and that was pretty much the case. And Wilfred Zaha had a fabulous game and really controlled it all, you know, all game long, and was a key factor in the victory. Are you, are you poorly? Why you still got your coat on? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's a very nice coat. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I just, I just kept it on. <laughs> no, the the Burnley game. It was, it was like the Leicester game where we, if we, if we'd have gone in one down after that first half, we'd have felt really, really robbed, wouldn't we? Because we, you know, Burnley had most of the attacking. We didn't really create many, many chances at all. Yeah, but Burnley wasn't great as well in a way. Um, it was just it was it was a weird half because Burnley they did have the ball, but every time they put the early crosses into the box, they seemed like they wasn't really creating any massive chances. And talking of those crosses, do you think that's why he chose Hennessy? Yeah, that, that, I think that I think he did admit that he that 
he chose Hennessy for them crosses. So let, let's touch on the return of Wayne Hennessy then, because obviously you as Palace fans are going to have a very specific view about it. Mm. I think even outside the club looking in, so for anyone listening who isn't aware, what happened with Wayne Hennessy was he was appeared to be pictured on, I believe, Max Mayer's Instagram, and it was alleged that the sign he was making was a Nazi salute. So yeah. then there was all kind of charges from the FA, an investigation, all of that, not picked by the club while that was going on. He's now back in the side. For you guys, was that a storm in a teacup or should he have been left out? It was nothing to do with the Nazi salute. He's just rubbish at times. That's all it was. It was form. So he was he was dropped yeah. for form and yeah. regardless of what he may or may not have been doing with yeah, his hands, he blow. wasn't I, catching footballs and therefore he wasn't on the pitch. i completely forgotten about the, the uh, salute. Had you? Yeah. I yeah, think it's, 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 it's Roy said that um, it was mainly due to Burnley's um, aerial duels. Um, so they were going to be putting balls into the box and that's pretty much it. I think as Palace fans, we were shocked because we didn't really expect that many changes. There was a couple of changes in there um, that was unexpected, but the Wayne Hennessy one really stood out because... So which other ones weren't you expecting to see? Mm, Wayne Hennessy, I think that was a major one. Uh, Vicente Gaita has been playing good, so that was a shock. Um, and um, we didn't really expect Maya to start in this kind of game. Um, Criate, that that was always a possibility, so that's not a major surprise. Scott Dan came but in for Martin Kelly. So. The biggest one really was Townsend because it's the first time all season he hasn't started, but he came on as an impact sub. Yeah, and Townsend and James McArthur both have played so many games this season without a rest, so they were dropped. But I didn't really expect it. There was no um, no like. Before the game, when Roy was speaking, he didn't really say anything about dropping both of them. So it just came as a shock to Palace fans that he rested them against Burnley. And the 4-3-3 system seemed to work, didn't it? I mean, a 3-1 win. Palace did eventually succumb to one of those lofted balls into the box to Barnes in the last minute. But generally, that particular formation seemed to do the trick. Yeah, it was, it seemed like a 4-3-3 from fans' perspective. But we were we was talking about in the review show how... It wasn't really a 4-3-3. If you look at the heat map, it was apparently Roy was trying to play more of a 4-4-2 formation, but it just shows that you know we've been lacking the fluidity going forward and Roy gave it to the players against Burnley, which was a good sign. And it was pretty much just Wilf. He was meant to be a striker, but he just posed to go out on the right majority of the time because the space was open there. So, yeah, it worked out pretty good. What's really, really good is that we've actually got the bench to do that now, which is something... We haven't. We had awful, awful time of injuries. I know Operation Wickham's out again. <laughs> yeah, Connor Wickham. Yeah, I don't think he was. He's ever going to return. But it's a shame though with Connor Wickham because we didn't send him out on loan. Uh, we thought that you know he will play a major part, and then I think he's out injured. I'm not even too sure what's going on with him. So I'm disappointed because he has got a bit of talent. He scored before he had um, got another injury. So it's it's yeah it's annoying. But fingers crossed. We've been good so far. Not that many injuries and. As Nick said, you look at our bench, it's, it's looking very solid. And with Zaha, you said then he was meant to be used as a striker. A criticism that was levelled at Palace, particularly in the first half of the season prior to January, was that you were looking good, but that what was lacking was perhaps a recognised number nine. Obviously, with the arrival of Michi Batshuayi on loan from Chelsea, that does free up Zaha to play a little more freely, drift a little wider. Do you see him as most effective as a central striker? Uh, no, he's a he's a wide player. He can play on the left or the right. I think he's better on the right. But then Andros Townsend, he plays there. So because Andros Townsend, Andros Townsend was dropped, he played on the right this game. But yeah, I don't see him as a striker at all. He's he's better as a winger, just going into the box and 
passing or shooting kind in. It's not. I don't see him as an outright striker. The good thing is, whether he's on the left or right, he's he's tiring out the fullbacks. So when they're coming forward, it makes it easier for Van Aanholt or Bissaka because you know they they've got so much speed, and we've seen with Bissaka that he's just immense, isn't he? So we're we're finally gelling as a team, I think, and it's it's taken a long time. Yeah, and when he plays out wide, it opens up defenses as well because y- you want you want to close down with Zaha, so that's another advantage as well. Players, as Nick said, three or four can, players. Yeah, players can run into the spaces that's open by Wilfred Zaha playing out wide. So that's another strength of him playing. And also, a lot has been made about Zaha perhaps not getting enough protection from referees. That said, he seems to be getting treated slightly better now. And with that, another advantage of his game is, of course, if some of those opposition defenders start picking up yellow cards, they've then got to be a little more reticent in the challenge with the likes of Wan-Bissaka as well. Yeah, um, especially in a Burnley game, there were some really ridiculous challenges, but normally Wilf Wilf would react to it. But after the Southampton incident where he got sent off for sarcastic clapping the ref. <laughs> yeah, you got yeah, you got sent off. Yeah. It's a good sentence that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. You got yeah, he got sent off um w- when he shouldn't have. And it seems like he calm he's calmed down a bit and you, we're seeing the best out of him like that. Yeah, also we we talked on Maya starting. Um Maya and Wilf, when Maya's been coming on in the second half, and we'll come on to it later, otherwise we'll have covered everything yeah. in the first <laughs> ten minutes. But Maya and Wilf linked together really, really well, or they have done. So maybe that was part of Roy's thinking. Yeah, but they didn't really. It was weird though because Maya played on the other side of the pitch. It seemed like yeah. yeah. So it was it was a weird game. But yeah, we'll we'll talk about Maya a bit later. Yeah. Well, well, the creative side of the game that Maya brings to the Palace side was massively important against Burnley. Certainly, in evidence in the first half, which we'll be going through in just a moment. Love Sport five five eight a.m. Welcome back to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. Now, Nick, you were saying in the first section of the show that if in the first half of the game against Burnley you'd gone in at halftime, you hadn't made that breakthrough, you'd have felt very hard done by. The breakthrough, of course, did come in the 15th minute, Phil Barsley turning into his own goal. Was there a bit of fortune about that? Yeah, I don't think... We we didn't really play no, that greatly in first Yeah, half. I think you misunderstood me. I said if I was a Burnley fan, I would have... Felt oh, you'd have felt really, hard done by to really go, hard done go by through a goal down. It's nice to be on the other side of that because generally it's Palace that that <laughs> Palace, Palace hard done by. Yeah, um, but if you look at the goal, it was it was a great run into the box and you know ball to Jeffrey Schlupp by Wilf. Yep. But yeah, we got a bit yeah, we got a bit lucky and um majority of the season luck hasn't been on our side. Um lately we you know it has, but we've missed out on so many points because of it. So I'm not uh, it's a goal. We'll take it, and it was. We didn't really deserve it, but who cares? Do you think if the goal doesn't go in at that point, and the Burnley Burnley fans are more relaxed going in at half time at nil nil, say, would it have been a different game, or were Palace always going to capitalise later on? I think the Burnley set up to actually get the high balls into the box was undone by the weather a bit because it was. Are really... you about to do a Jurgen Klopp win? <laughs> no, no. Well, no. It's you know the ball was blowing all over the place. It was cold. It was raining. But you could equally argue that can help a striker, right? Because that could wrong foot a defender. It could lead to a keeper misjudging the flight of the ball. It goes both ways. Yeah, I suppose so. But yeah, it it was sort of annoyingly swervy, wasn't it? For them? <laughs> yeah. Um, Wayne Hennessy actually struggled with that as well um, yeah. during the game. I'm not using this as an excuse, but he he didn't have the greatest of games. Um, I just some uh, balls into the box. Um, he should have just 
some some of the balls that went there. He should have just caught it, but he just struggled and he was in uh, no man's land. Yeah, on two or three occasions when when the balls came in. His decision making was questionable. So with that, you guys were surprised to see him selected. Nick, you were suggesting that the <laughs> only reason he was dropped was because of form. With that in mind, and particularly as you're now saying, Dr, that he wasn't at his best against Burnley, are you expecting to see Hennessy go straight back out of the side, or is this a change? Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, but it is difficult for a manager to keep chopping and changing keepers. Normally, we do traditionally see more of a number one than there's been at Palace this year. Yeah, um, but Roy already said it. He said it. He dropped um, Gaito just purely on the fact that Burnley will be given you know high 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 balls into the box, and Wayne Hennessy's got the height. It was purely based on that decision. So. Vicente has played well. Um, I expect him to come back into the side against Brighton because he is the better goalkeeper. And if he doesn't, then lots of fans will be looking at Roy and just saying, what is going on? The other thing that, that's just crossed my mind is the fact that Hennessy has been a lot better at communicating or he's got a lot better with somebody, with Sacco not in front of him, and, uh, a different defensive partnership. Perhaps Roy wanted good communication between three players that have been there a long time together. Yeah, you have to yeah. As much as we criticize Wayne Hennessy, um even at home games when I look at look towards Wayne Hennessy, yeah. he he's always vocal. before that wasn't the case. Um so he has improved on that side of things, but then if you're it doesn't matter if you're vocal but struggle to do your actual job, which is goalkeeping, <laughs> which has been a problem with Wayne Hennessy. So but yeah, give him credit for that. But that said, Nick, as you just picked up on Wayne Hennessy has been at Crystal Palace Football Club for a very long time. He he did good service in the championship sometimes as well. So is there a degree of loyalty amongst the fan base or do you just think, well, you're hopeless, Geet is better, get out of the way? There are many, many answers to that depending on who you ask. It's a bit I'm of a asking mixed bag. You. <laughs> it's a bit of a mixed bag. I'm If he plays well, I'm happy. Um, he doesn't do anything over and above what I think um, you'd expect any a Premier League goalkeepers to do um there are better keepers in the league he's a good good uh backup mm. Gaita looking I think it was the first or second Man United goal didn't seem to move didn't seem to anticipate um Lukaku's first goal was fabulous but I think it was their yeah their, their second goal um he could have done a lot more Gaita so it might it might have been that reason yeah but even though we're here criticising Wayne Hennessy for his performance against Burnley and how we don't want him to start against Brighton, he has had some good games this season. It's not like he's been horrendous all season long. Earlier on in the season, he's had decent run of games. Um, but it's just he he's dropped off a bit and then he just returned back to his old self. So he he had his best period under Paddy Skitt, um, Wayne Hennessy. But then... It just went back to old Wayne Hennessy. And I was calling for it in the summer. I thought Wayne Hennessy and Crystal Palace is not going to work because regardless of how good Wayne Hennessy plays, even when he was playing well, people still wanted him to be dropped. But why Why was that? Because it, there's no trust. They don't trust him because if, of the mistakes if, if he's he, done before. Okay, but if he played well on a consistent basis, that's surely how trust is built. I, I appreciate what you're saying completely, where if you make enough gaffes as a goalkeeper, you do damage that relationship. But actually, if Hennessy got a run in the team, he was consistent and played well over the course of, say, 10 games, would the fans not forgive him? Well, some fans did forgive him, but then after that 10 games, he just dropped back to his old self. Um, but even during that 10 games, some fans, because of what he's done previously and how bad he has been, they just don't trust him at all. 
regardless of how he plays. That's why, I've you know, in summer I thought it was a good chance to get you know sell Wayne Hennessy because it's just it's I don't see it working regardless how good he plays. I've supported him before, uh, but now I I've lost trust in him as well. I've I saw something in one of the one of the newspapers that we're after Butland. From Stoke to replace him. That would Hennessey. be a seriously good yeah. signing. You'd 12 have some million, but, twelve million. But you just don't know. They print so much just to fill up space. I think, I think I twelve million. I, I mean, I personally, I think that'd be a fantastic move for Palace. Jack Butland, of course, England international. I know he's playing Championship football, but there would surely be a range of Premier League clubs in for him if he did go. And that, in and of itself, would surely drive the transfer value up, wouldn't it? I mean, twelve million sounds like the bargain to end all bargains for Jack Butland. Yeah, but the thing about our article is that apparently it was based on Vicente Gaeta returning back to Spain, okay. which I find confusing because there's he's been only just turned up as well. Yeah, and there's been no suggestion that he's homesick. So I find that article a bit weird. If it was to do with Wayne Hennessy leaving, then that would make more sense. But the way that article talked about to leaving and Jack Butler coming in, I'm not too sure if he's the most reliable thing to get around. Well, we know the sort of pesky games <laughs> yeah. that journalists play, of course, particularly <laughs> with transfer rumours. Gents, we'll come on for a chat about the second half in just a moment. But of course, throughout the course of the evening, we're going to be bringing updates as well to our listeners on the Champions League action tonight. It's Borussia Dortmund against Tottenham Hotspur. Spurs, of course, have got a 3 nil lead they're going away to signal Aduna Park and it's also Real Madrid versus Ajax the big news emerging from the team sheets in that fixture is that Gareth Bale is on the bench now we've heard a lot about him perhaps not being as popular as he'd like to be in Madrid suggestions that he hasn't bothered to learn Spanish which mm-hmm. is fairly poor what do you make of this whole situation would you have him at Palace yeah, but Gareth Bale can speak Spanish, and like even if he comes, okay, how's anything. this? Gareth Bale comes to Palace, but he's only allowed to speak in broken, broken Spanish. That's I'll right. Still, take, yeah, still have well, him. As long, yeah, guides will be picked more often. Is that, <laughs> as long as t- as long as his two legs work fine, then yeah, I'm happy with that. He doesn't even have to speak for me. <laughs> Everybody's happy. And casting our eyes over to the Spurs game, Dortmund is a historically really notoriously difficult place to go. You've got the yellow wall yeah. erupting next to you as you walk out through the tunnel. That said, a three nil lead is a big lead. Can Spurs hold on, or will they, they bottle it? <laughs> they should hold on. I think at this stage we've heard that before, though. Yeah, from Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah, yeah that's the thing. I think they should hold on. I know Pochettino before the game he was talking about how um, German sides and French sides get more rest between, um, before the Champions League game. So there's been a bit of excuses going in from there, but still, I expect Tottenham to hold on. They're a good side. Nick, how about you? They should hold on, but I'd love it if they didn't. (laughs) (laughs) You'd love it if they didn't. Well, we'll be bringing you the updates from that that game throughout the evening. It kicks off at 8 o'clock and coming up with us very shortly, we'll get into the second half and goals, goals, goals. This is Love Sport. Tuesday night, so of course it's the Love Sport Crystal Palace fan show with me, Johnny Burrow, and I'm delighted to say I'm joined in the studio by Nick Giller and DR Kernaz of the Back of the Nest podcast. Gents, we talked about the first Palace goal uh, against Burnley, that slightly fortunate Phil Barsley own goal, but wonderful work from Zaha, wonderful work as well, of course, from Jeffrey Schlupp. The second goal coming in the 40th minute, Michi Batshuayi, fantastic from start to finish. Yeah, it, it started from Zaha in midfield um, nice ball to wan on the right hand side and well you know well drilled, uh, drilled cross to uh, Michi Batshuayi 
and he, great finish from him. So it was just it was a brilliant play. Um, but the most uh, encouraging thing was the fact that one uh, we got Mitra Bachelet, a striker who isn't really scared to shoot, which sounds weird. But we've had Benteke who at times doesn't shoot and he's a striker, and it's just it's just weird. Whereas now we got a striker who has got that no fear factor. That's uh, gone all the way back to. Um who was the Moroccan guy we had? Marouane oh, Schmack. Yeah. He, he was a brilliant player. He's one of my favourite ever players <laughs> at Palace because he, really? he had such skill and such finesse. And such a haircut. Yeah. And he just didn't, wouldn't shoot. Yeah, But he was a technically brilliant player. He's a frustrating player. I remember when he came to Arsenal initially, of course, with his first English move, came from Dortmund with a reputation both for being skillful and also for scoring an unbelievable amount of goals with his head. So when he went to Palace, there was talk of that. Over the past few years, you've had strikers, not Zahar, obviously, but the likes of Conor Wickham, of Benteke, of Schumach, quite big units up front who should be more potent from the aerial ball than they are. Has crossing been enough of a weapon for you this season? Um, not really. I don't know. He hasn't really, I'm thinking about it now, he hasn't really been a weapon. I wouldn't say it's a it's weapon. Not, not in the game yeah, plan. Yeah, no, but it's, it's always kind of, they talk about the West Ham way and, and the Palace way is to play it down the wings and get it into to the bloke in the middle as you know, I've been going 40 years and that's kind of been the ethos. It it hasn't really happened of late. Although is it, is that got... a sadness for you, Nick? I mean, would you rather see sort of the way modern football's moving, this tick-attacker, nice passing stuff at Selhurst Park? Or is there a part of you that feels real nostalgia for that quick man bombing down the wing, whipping it into the middle, big lad, head on it, goal? Yes, if it's winning games. But at the moment, it's it's golden times for Palace fans because we've got... Possibly the best, well, probably the best team that I've seen play in those for us forty years. In those forty years, um, just for the quality of players. Okay, we, we go back to seventy nine when we we went up. We had the team of the eighties. We had the likes of Sansom and Swift. So yeah, it's we we do play nice football now. That's the thing. My only regret. There's two things I don't like about modern day football. One is the ball being on a plinth at the start of the game. <laughs> I miss the players running out with the, holding a ball. Yes. Um, what's, you know, it's just needless, absolutely needless. And But it's, it's for show, isn't it, Nick? It adds it? nothing to the game. It <laughs> doesn't add any drama. Football is a game to be watched right. when you're there. Right. TV was invited in to share it. Now TV is ruling it. It's gone too far. You're so let's old school. <laughs> the way you describe it. I think he's, I think yeah, he's I, right. Yeah, he's got a point. I know he's got a point, but the way you're describing it, it's like, uh, it's, it's just like that. It's well, there, there was a suggestion raised. I had the Brentford fan show yesterday, and there was a suggestion raised there that actually, if the game is televised, you're more likely to see retrospective action for a foul that doesn't get given by the ref at the time because there's more of an uproar on Twitter, more gets said about it, more gets written about it, and then the FA kind of have to take a stand. So as Nick's saying, I think TV is influencing the game probably in ways that we don't actually even recognise. You would think so, but... It really isn't the case. Well, with Palace, anyways, I'm not too sure with other clubs. There's been so many ridiculous challenges. Um, the only thing I remember that was on TV was the Nias diving situation where he actually got a two-game ban after it. But at TV, at, at that side of things is not... I think v, when VAR comes in, then that, I think that will play a major part. But, yeah, I don't I don't think he's played... A, uh, no, he uh, hasn't done no, his job. Did you see that Real Madrid game last week? 
Well, what? Uh, the, now that it's been shown on free-to-view TV, well done, whoever would... I can't remember <laughs> what channel it's, it is. It's ITV, I think. ITV, yeah, but well done for that because that was the most entertaining game of the day, I thought. Um, but the VA, the bloke with the VAR, it's it's you got the ref on the picture you can get it right <laughs> or wrong or the bloke watching it on telly you can get it right or wrong. They're, they're talking about offsides. When VAR comes into every game, somebody's going to have a knee offside for a fraction of a second then they'll be able to slow-mo it so much just to see that knee for a fraction of a second and they'll be offside that's just ridiculous but it's offside let it float but it's still (laughs) a bloke in a room but you've got to watch it at normal speed that's that's why there's all the furore about um fouls because you watch it in super slow-mo Anything, I mean, that, anything looks bad. You you eating a minstrel look terrible in slow motion, whereas in <laughs> yeah. real time, it's completely fine. I know, you know, just even a player shouting couldn't look really, really aggressive, but they're full of joy and just because it's in slow-mo. <laughs> I was looks... smiling at him, Raph. I was yeah. smiling. Listen, the VAR debate will rage on and on. The one good thing about the TV aspect is it allows, as you were saying, Nick, it allows more of us to watch fantastic moments. And for me, one fantastic moment in this game was the Batshuayi finish. A lot for the Batshuayi goal has been made about the build-up, but it's actually another very, very nice piece of striking play from the Belgian. He's on loan. I think it seems inarguable that Palace are going to be looking to bring in a number nine permanently in the summer. Is Michi your man? For now, I'm not too sure. I think it's a bit too early. We've seen him score that goal against Leicester. I think it was more... There was some talent involved, but it was more luck than talent. There was talent. quite a yeah, lot of luck. Yeah, quite goal. a lot of luck, yeah. And then he scored this goal. He's had a good start, but I think it's something that I'll have to decide at the end of the season because he only joined us in January and I want to see him have a good run of games because he'll have times when he's on form and I want to see how he reacts when he's off form I just want to see both both sides of his game before I decide if he should stay um, at Palace if he should get him Nick what do you make of Batchway? I hope he does very very well I'd love to see him stay on how do you a, think he's, he's doing so far he's a different sort of player to Benteke in the fact that he he will take on players I know Benteke can go on his runs sometimes but he's always looking for the goal that's his ultimate aim, is looking for the goal. And that's what you need in a strike. And we, we haven't really had that. When he begins to develop a bit more of an understanding with the players around him, even better. I think he's taken to the team group really, really well. They, there's lots and lots of banter that Crystal Palace are putting out on social media from the training ground. So I think, so yeah, it's, we, we do play nice football now. That's the thing. My only regret, there's two things I don't like about modern day football. One is the ball being on a plinth at the start of the game. <laughs> I miss the players running out with the, holding a ball. Yes. Um, what's, you know, it's just needless, absolutely needless. And But it's, it's for show, isn't it, Nick? It adds it? nothing to the game. <laughs> it doesn't add any drama. Football is a game to be watched right. when you're there. Right. TV was invited in to share it. Now TV is ruling it. It's gone too far. You're so old school. <laughs> the way no, you describe it. He, I think he's, I think yeah, he's I, right. Yeah, he's got a point. I know he's got a point, but the way you're describing it's like, uh, it's, it's just like that. It's well, there, just, there was we a suggestion raised. I had the Brentford fan show yesterday and there was a suggestion raised there that actually if the game is televised, you're more likely to see retrospective action for a foul that doesn't get given by the ref at the time because there's more of an uproar on Twitter, more gets said about it, more gets written about it, and then the FA kind of have to take a stand. So as Nick's saying, I think TV is influencing the game probably in ways that we don't actually even recognise. You would think so, but it really isn't the case. Well, with Palace anyways, I'm not too sure with other clubs. 
there's been so many ridiculous challenges. Um, the only thing I remember that was on TV was the Nias diving situation where he actually got a two-game ban after it. But at TV, at, at that side of things is not... I think v, when VAR comes in, then that, I think that will play a major part. But yeah, I don't. I don't think he's played him. No, he yeah, hasn't done no, his job. Did you see that Real Madrid game last week? Well, what? Uh, the now that it's been shown on free to view TV. Well done, whoever would. I can't remember <laughs> what channel it's, it is. It's ITV, I think. ITV, yeah. But well done for that because that was the most entertaining game of the day. I thought. Um, but the VAR, the bloke with the VAR, it's it's you got the ref on the pitch, you can get it right <laughs> or wrong, or the bloke watching it on telly, you can get it right or wrong. They're, they're talking about offsides. When VAR comes into every game, somebody's going to have a knee offside for a fraction of a second then they'll be able to slow-mo it so much just to see that knee for a fraction of a second and they'll be offside that's just ridiculous but it's offside let it flow but it's still (laughs) a bloke in a room but you've got to watch it at normal speed that's that's why there's all the furore about um fouls because you watch it in super slow-mo anything anything looks bad you you eating a minstrel look terrible in slow motion (laughs) whereas in real real time it's completely fine you know just even a player shouting can look really really aggressive but they're full of joy and just because it's in slow-mo <laughs> i was looks... smiling at him raf i was yeah. smiling listen the var debate will rage on and on the one good thing about the tv aspect is it allows as you were saying nick it allows more of us to watch fantastic moments and for me one fantastic moment in this game was the batch finish a lot for the batch goal has been made about the build-up but it's actually another very very nice piece of striking play from the belgian he's on loan I think it seems inarguable that Palace are going to be looking to bring in a number nine permanently in the summer. Is Michi your man? For now, I'm not too sure. I think it's a bit too early. We've seen him score that goal against Leicester. I think it was more... There was some talent involved, but it was more luck than talent. There was talent. quite yeah, a lot of luck. Yeah, in that quite goal. a lot of luck, yeah. And then he scored this goal. He's had a good start, but I think it's something that I'll have to decide at the end of the season because he only joined us in January. And I want to see him have a good run of games because he will have times when he's on form and I want to see how he reacts when he's off form I just want to see both both sides of his game before I decide if he should stay um, at Palace if he should get him Nick what do you make of Batchway? I hope he does very very well I'd love to see him stay on how he's do you a, think he's, he's doing so far he's a different sort of player to Benteke in the fact that he he will take on players I know Benteke can go on his runs sometimes but he's always looking for the goal that's his ultimate aim, is looking for the goal. And that's what you need in a strike. And we, we haven't really had that. When he begins to develop a bit more of an understanding with the players around him, even better. I think he's taken to the team group really, really well. There, there's lots and lots of banter that Crystal Palace are putting out on social media from the training ground. So I think he'd fit. Because he's quite a funny man himself, isn't it, Michi? I mean, obviously, Palace fans are mm-hmm. known for being excellent. I mean, I, I go to the Emirates sometimes, and Palace are by far the best away support I've seen there. But Michi Batshuayi, particularly on social media, is a funny bloke himself. He goes by Batsman, puts on occasionally <laughs> a Batman mask when he celebrates. How big is that for the fans when there's a player who you can relate to, not just as a goal scorer, but also actually as a bloke who's able to have a laugh? Yeah, it's weird because as soon as Michi Batshuayi signed at midnight, like five minutes after, fans just loved him like he was there for six months it was just a straight connection and he's a likable guy it's like you see in the world cup when yeah. england were playing belgium and belgium scored yanazai cutting in michi batshuayi goes to kick the ball into the net again hits the bar hits him in the face he's just funny yeah he, he's there's always a smile in his face and i think that's 
not to overthink it, but if you look at the squad, um, I think he has a positive impact on the squad as well. Just to have a character like that in the squad, it's it's major because when when you're out of form, if you can have someone like that that can lift the morale of the team, then it plays a major part. Right, and gents, if I had to press you, let's let's imagine in the summer that you like Batshuayi, but for whatever reason the deal doesn't come off and you're looking for another striker on a permanent basis. If you both got to pick one realistic target to come in and play that striking role, who would it be? Right now, um, I have zero clue. You put me around the spot there. I don't... Honestly, don't know. Marouane Shamak will go. Marouane Shamak. Nick, no, Nick he's any, any plan from football you? now, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> um, a striker that we could have that we could possibly afford. See, that's the thing. The, 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 once people know you're desperate for a striker, it's they inflated. Just, it's another five mil, uh, ten mil. See, if I if you've you've taken out the one I might keep if he does well, he's about Shuai. Um that's pretty, yeah. It pretty sounds like he now. might be the choice then. Well, or, yeah, oh. yeah, or if Deli Ali's going cheap. Or <laughs> <Harry> <laughs> yeah. Somehow yeah. I'm not sure yeah. that's massively <laughs> likely. Well, we talked goal scoring. Coming up, we'll be talking goal stopping. Go absolutely nowhere because Dean Gordon, former Crystal Palace left back, is on the line. This is Love Sport. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery you in order now on the mcdonald's app at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonald's.com You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio and I'm delighted to say that we're joined on the line by Dean Gordon, former Crystal Palace left-back. Dean, thanks for joining us. What about that wonderful performance against Burnley impressed you most? Um, just attacking with um, with passion. Um, obviously, defensively have been quite sound lately as well. Um, but the fact that different players are popping up with with goals, um, we seem to be free-flowing going forward, which I'm sure will um, please the fans. Um, just just the fact that they're, that they're on a really good run at the moment. Um, obviously, the loss against Man United was a bit disappointing, um, but it was a massive game, Burnley, and I'm sure the fans will want the same kind of performance against Brighton, the old, the old enemy. Um, so a win there will be nice as well. Uh, Dean, uh, where have you made of Palace so far this season? Um, we've kind of turned the corner, but where have you made? What's your overall uh, thoughts on Palace this season? Um, I've been on I've been on this radio station for I've been doing interviews for quite a few weeks. That's probably my sixth, seventh time I've done an interview. And when times were a little bit rough, um, a, little, a few people were panicking. Um, but I've always said that Palace will come good. Um, it was last season where they started really poorly, bounced back, um, scoring loads of goals. Players all came back to form and ended up um, staying up quite um, convincingly. Um, 
start this season, it was a bit um, poor at times. People were panicking again. I just said, you know, they've had experience with what happened last season to bounce back when things weren't going well. And I was quite confident that they would do the same this season. Um, you know, people were, the, the team were relying on um, Zaha quite a lot. Um, and not many people popping up with goals. Townsend has popped up with a couple of goals. I think the win at Man City gave the team so much confidence. And since then, they've gone on, gone from strength to strength, scoring loads of goals, um, creating loads of chances. Um, still not out of trouble yet. Um, still, I think it's eight points above the relegation. You probably need a couple more wins uh, to be safe, and I'm sure they'll get them soon. Dean, you mentioned Brighton there, and you used the phrase, phrase old enemy. Uh, speaking as a former Palace player, could you say a little bit about what that particular rivalry means, both to the fans and what it's like playing on the pitch? Do you know what? I don't think I played against Brighton. Do you never face them? No, because they were a lower league at the time. Ah, he's got. You had to get that one in, didn't you, Dean? <laughs> yeah, I did, not yeah. not even in the League Cup or anything. No, I remember playing against them in the reserves. Um, was even and, that, and that a little quite, bit heated? Yeah, it probably was. Yeah, yeah, it was a little bit heated in, in my younger days. But playing for the first team, I don't think I played against Brighton. You know, Palace were either Championship or Premier, and I think Brighton were third or fourth tier at the time. So I never. But the fans have always talked about the, the Brighton rivalry and what's happened over the last few years. Um, I wish I did play in a, in, in, in a game against Brighton. I'm sure the atmosphere would have been fantastic. Um, I have seen a couple of the Derby games in, in the last couple of years. and I know Palace lost to them early in the season. I'm sure they'll want to get one back on them um, next week, I think the game is... Yeah, yeah, they couldn't even uh, fill up their stadium, so it's not a big rivalry for them, really, <laughs> is it, in the last FA Cup game. Um, at least some Palace fans got in that time as well. How are you doing, Dean? All right, it's Nick here. Um, Hi. Looking at our team now and the teams you played with, are there any players that you, from from your era, playing for Palace, that could slot into the team now? God, we have some good players in then. Chris Armstrong, yep. obviously. Coco um, Great striker. Gareth Southgate. Um, obviously was playing uh, a little bit of centre-back or more midfield at the time and then dropped into centre-back. Um, Nigel Martin in goal um, would have slotted in quite nicely. Um, I don't know, you probably remember Tilio Lombardo. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm going miss the idea, mate. All these names <laughs> you're pulling out. Someone slicing onions in the studio, <laughs> I think, Dean. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the best players I've played with, Lombardo. Um do you remember so, his first game and his first ever touch? He played, it must have been a 60-yard diagonal pass straight to feet to somebody. And I thought, we've got a good player here. It was incredible. <laughs> no, I don't remember that. But yeah. I, I remember him playing for Sampdoria. He was a fantastic player then. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure how old he was when he came to Palace, but he, he was playing like a teenager. And it was, he was everywhere and his touch was fantastic. Great player. Dean, you mentioned Gareth Southgate there. Obviously different knowing someone as a player than as a coach, but were there indications, particularly playing in a defence with him, that he was going to be someone who would go on to manage at a high level and possibly even manage his country? Um, I, I never thought he would manage the country. Um, I always thought he was a, a leader. Um, he was captain at Palace when I was there. Um, always thought he might go on to, to management. Um, and he's done fantastically well, obviously. Um, what he's doing with England at the moment, 
um, is no surprise. Um, he's always been a sensible, intelligent man, well respected, even back then as a young lad. Um, I know he worked really hard at his game. I do remember one time when he had a hamstring in- injury and he was out for a few weeks. For the next few weeks after that, he was always, I used to always see him stretching and he was working hard at his, his flexibility so that he would never have a hamstring injury again. So he was that sort of a player that would work hard at his game. Um, no surprise that he ended up playing for England. Um, no surprise that he, he was captain, first sorry, manager at Middlesbrough and then went on um, to, to manage the England under-21s. And then when he became England manager, um, I just thought, you know, it's a fantastic achievement for him. It's no surprise that he's doing well and he's got the respect of all the players, which is um, which is obviously needed. He's, he's obviously very astute. He was on the um, BBC coverage of the NFL Super Bowl and he seemed to know what he was talking about and he, he spoke about it in a way that even I could understand. So so he must have something about him. Um, he's intelligent, very intelligent yeah. man. Um, same as Steve Coppel. He was very intelligent. Well, probably still is. Um, looking forward <laughs> to Brighton. What do you reckon then? You got a, got a prediction for us? I think Brighton are, are struggling at the moment. You know, I know they won on Saturday. Uh, I think they've, they've gone for a, a bad run. Palace are on a, a good streak at the moment, creating loads of chances, as I said before. So I'm totally expecting a Palace win. Um, I'm sure Selos Park will be bouncing. Um, the fans will be baying for blood, I'm sure. Um, so I do expect a Palace win. I'm hoping for a Palace win. And I'm, I am a betting man, so I think I'll put a little bit on them to win as well. Yeah, well, that'd be good because we're we're struggling a bit at home. Our away form is absolutely brilliant, but we we play better away because I think it suits us that counter attacking. How do you get over that hoodoo when you're not doing that well at home? I mean, what what would have happened in the past under under your managers? What would they have done or tried to help you know, you that's, out that? That's happened at previous clubs where you might go through a period where we're excellent at home, poor away from home, and then we're excellent away from home and struggle at home. I think sometimes at home we do feel the pressure a little bit more. Um, sometimes the shackles come off when you're away from home. Yeah. Um, maybe your back's against the wall a little bit or you're the underdog, so sometimes you can perform better. Um, I'm not sure what it is, really. Um, but like I said, it's a derby game, the Brighton game, so I'm sure the players will be up for it. So I've got no doubt that um, they'll get a result there. They've had three fantastic away wins. Um, Doncaster in, in the FA Cup, Leicester and Burnley. So coming back for this massive derby game, I'm sure Zaha, who's been finding the net recently and a couple of other players who have been scoring, um, I'm, I'm totally expecting a Palace win. Dean, just before you leave us, you're a man, of course, who knows a thing or two about playing at full-back. Aaron Wambasaka is always grabbing headlines for Palace. Yeah. How good can he be? Um, he, could, he could definitely play for England. Um, is he still 19? Has he turned 20 yet? Yes, I think he's 20 now. Yeah, he's, um, he's took to it this season like a, like a duck to water. You know, he's, he's going forward. He's excellent at p- providing crosses. Um, he provided one of the crosses for one of the goals on Saturday. Defensively, he looks good. Um, and I remember being at the Liverpool game and watching him live. He just looked very, very quick. Um, almost. Not, not the Liverpool effort. game he got sent off in? Yeah, that was the one. That was the one. <laughs> but quick, thought, quick and but, quick at getting sent off. <laughs> it was quite, it was, it was still really quick. He was quite unlucky to be sent off. He I was, thought. yeah, that was harsh. Yeah. Um, he's learning as well. Yeah, he's he won't do that again, will he? Of course not. 
and he's learning very quickly. You know, he's been an, more or less an ever-present in, in, in the Palace side. And like I said, he looks very quick, um, especially over 30, 40 yards. He, he, he's got that stride and he looks comfortable as well under pressure. So I'm sure um, he'll go on to, to bigger and better things. I just hope Palace can keep him. One Basaka set for big things. You heard it here first with Dean Gordon. Dean, thank you ever so much for joining us. Dean Gordon no there, former Crystal Palace fullback. Wan Basaka will do fantastic things, I think. But that final point Dean made of I hope he stays at Selhurst Park is a big one. Could be could he be on his way to Germany? Well, for now, he was great against Burnley. And coming up, we'll be discussing the winners and losers for Palace from the weekend's action. This is Love Sport. You are back with Johnny Burrow, Nick Gillett and Dia Kernaz from the Back of the Nest podcast. Sorry, I nearly said fan show. It's the Crystal <laughs> Palace fan show here on Love Sport Radio. Great performance against Burnley. We've been going through it. But in every performance, however impressive, there are winners and there are losers. Gents, I think let's start positively. Who impressed you most against Burnley? Scott Dan. Um, he came in for a reason, just like Wayne Hennessy. Um, he, um, Martin Kelly, he struggled against... Um, Manchester United, especially with Lukaku, whenever they, they were doing balls over the top, you just couldn't cope with it. And I think Scott Dan came in just purely for that reason, just like Wayne Hennessy. And he's done a brilliant job there. Um, you know, he's had that long injury. He's played a game or two here, but that game, I think, solidified his position. And I don't know who starts against Brighton, but he- Kelly was playing good. Um, Scott Dan's now playing good as well. Saka's, of course, injured, so it gives something... Roy to think about yeah Scott Dan was excellent I think he made one mistake early on that might have let Burnley in uh, from memory but other than that he was absolutely solid and always a danger at corners I love the way he squats down and hides behind other players. That's, that really cracks me up. Yeah. You know, like they won't see him. Yeah. And uh, He's quite a big boy as well. <laughs> yeah, but to come in and do that good a job straight off the bat having not started for well over a year it, it just shows that they've they've done the rehabilitation properly, which is why Benteke, they they said that he wasn't that good because he'd he'd been injured and since he's been retreated, they've they've kind of done it properly this time. So, so what you think the first kind of injuries with Benteke he was rushed back because yeah. he were so pressed for strikers. Yeah, so they've taken their time with with Dan and Wickham. And also Bente, yeah, <laughs> Wickham. I don't They're know how much time. taking their yeah. time with Wickham. Wickham has been like three years now. <laughs> I don't know. He's got a good good goal rate. One in one in two this season. Is that years or one in, two, <laughs> one in two years? No, yeah. Um, Scott Dan Dunbar, and I think it's a good point because Benteke he hasn't really since coming back from injury he hasn't really played that many games, and it's weird. I don't know. Batshuayi, of course, has been playing good, and I think we can play bit faster when we start with Batshuayi but I thought Benteke would still get more chances he came on as a, as a sub against Burnley so that was good to see but yeah we've got Benteke and we've got Sacco people tend to forget that we got Sacco is a great player and both of them very expensive and highly rated at Liverpool of course No, I'm talking about the Bakary Sacco oh, Bakary Sacco yeah. so Sacco this is the Sacco who's come back on a free yeah. having left it's weird yeah where is he I, what is going on I I've... think he was seen chanting <laughs> on, he was on Twitter and they, they showed him and um, Sacco. It was the yeah, Sacco brothers. Sacco, yeah. They were, they were chanting Sacco. along uh, with the fans. But yeah, it's so weird because he left us, of course, in the summer. Yeah. And then he came back. But it, before he did leave us, he had a good run of form. Roy got the best out of him, scored a couple of goals. But now he's just nowhere to be seen. And I haven't 
to be fair, I haven't really looked at press conferences as much. So I don't know if he's got injury, but I haven't heard anything like that. So it's just weird. It's w- just just squad depth, I think. We, he came on for a little bit, didn't he? But I know that he was kind of a bit injured when he was at West Brom, so it wasn't, wasn't featuring mm. as much for them. I think it's more down to fitness rather than ability. But from my understanding, it was um, the reason he left was they wanted to cut down on the wage bill and they couldn't afford what they'd offered him before. So he thought, oh, I'll get more money elsewhere, but kind yeah. of didn't. Yeah, it was a smart it was a smart move by Palace because I think he's getting paid less than he was at when he was at Palace uh, initially with his football ah, so he's taking a pay cut to play for the same club. Yeah, I don't know. Something's going on behind the scenes. Like, <laughs> now there's nowhere to be seen. Yeah, it's just clever, clever <laughs> negotiation. Uh, so with Saka, he can operate cent- centrally, but I think of him more as a wide player. Yeah. A Palace, you're talking about squad depth there, Nick. It's obviously massively important. That is one area in which you're actually pretty well stocked, the wings. But Sacco did come in as an emergency striker last right. season, or the last season he was with us. And he scored two or three goals, didn't he? The quite important yeah, that's, goals. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Roy got the best out of him. Um, when he came to us, we really didn't see him. He, he was one of them players that were always injured but then when he was fit and when he did get a good run of games Roy got the best out of him so it's a bit weird his left foot is just brilliant but he hasn't got right foot he hasn't got right foot yeah he hasn't got right foot at all but his left foot is just brilliant and I don't know maybe we'll see him in the coming coming weeks but it's just it's been a strain yeah as as long as we're playing 4-3-3 I don't think we're going to see much of him well Mm. it's still he's there bolstering the squad Touching on Scott Dan again, I think we're all agreed that it was a really good performance. But for me, for the Burnley goal from Barnes, sort of flicked in with the head at the near post, that's poor defending from from Palace for the one moment in the game. Who do you think is at fault for that one? I'm not really too sure. Um, I think Scott Dan does play a part. Um, a little, I communication think, yeah, between communication. the two of them, possibly him yeah, and Tompkins. Yeah. I, think, I think that, yeah, he, he was good throughout the game. Uh, of course, that goal you don't really think about us because, because it, it, didn't it, it was so late on in the game and we were just it was so comfortable for us. It seemed like Bernie just wasn't going for it and it was just that one chance, which was annoying because I know the defenders and I think Roy said it after the game how he was frustrated that we didn't actually keep the clean sheet because there was only two minutes left. So just if he kept if they kept the concentration up. They would have kept a clean sheet. It's but great for me. My mate had Wemba Saka in his fantasy team. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's so <laughs> frustrating. But at least he got an assist, though. So that's true. Yeah, he got that the points from true. there. Yeah, I think um, it was Burnley's best chance as well that they scored from, which just, you know, if they could put the ball in the right place, then they can be a dangerous team. But they were just all over the place. They weren't, they weren't very good. So the one time that they did get a good ball in, they scored from it, which, you know, shows inconsistency. And for Palace, three points is three points. We've highlighted Scott Dan there. Before we move on to perhaps the least impressive performers, was there anyone else you'd like to highlight for a really strong display? Zaha, of course. As ever. That that goal, I mean, we'll we'll touch on it properly later in the show. But almost impolite in its brilliance, really. To turn and then turn and then turn and then score. Um, Amazing. For me, the tables have turned. When when my kids were growing up... um, when they were four or five, I used to love freshening them at FIFA. Now my, <laughs> my 14-year-old son, he absolutely takes the mickey Is out of Is it like me. that? Turn, like Zaha? And my son does that to me. And I <laughs> Do thought you not I just was, kick him? <laughs> I'm not talking about in FIFA, by the way. <laughs> no, I've, Put the I, controller down and lean across. I, I, 
I'm getting so old and infirm that I actually kick when I press the button anyway. <laughs> so I have kicked him a few times. Playing the game. But no, he, was he turns me inside out exactly like Wilf did the Burley defence. And how much did that put on his valuation? I don't know. A well, Cu couple amount. Yeah, couple, I mean, yeah. his valuation, we'll, we'll touch on this again with the potential transfer rumours surrounding Wilfred Zaha. He's, you'd have thought he's already a pretty valuable guy. Uh, let's have a think about the least impressive performers. Obviously, the side did well, but was there anyone, we've touched on Hennessy, perhaps anyone else who you thought wasn't quite up to scratch? Max Meyer. But I, I found it weird that he got selected for this type of game, considering that. Vicente was dropped for the and um, Martin Kelly were dropped. Roy knew what type of side Bernie were, um, so he wasn't really up for it in terms of the physicality. He really struggled in that aspect because if you look at his passes, it, his passing rate was similar to Luka Milivojevic. So it wasn't that far off, but it, it seemed like he just he was just frustrated and he hasn't really had a good run of games as a starter uh, in the side. So. It was, it, I was I was a bit disappointed with his performance, but yeah, it was. I didn't really expect him to start in the first place. Yeah, uh, I was expecting great things because the 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 fan base particularly have been clamouring for him to start simply because of how much of a difference he makes when he comes on as an impact sub. So, what is the perception of him <laughs> am amongst the fan base? Um, I think he's he has brilliant link up play with Wilfred Zaha. He can allow us to play faster football, um, help us on the, on that side of the pitch, and he's also a good defender. And uh, you know, running back, I know he's not physical, but he can defend. He showed that against Man Manchester City, against world class players. So it's just fans want him to start more often because they think that he can bring something else to the side, which we've been lacking. Did did you expect more from Mayer when he arrived? Because for one thing, the rumored wages are pretty large in terms of the Palace budget and for another this is no disrespect at all to Palace but given the way that Maya was hyped from the age of about 16 as potentially the great talent of a generation for German football I don't think many people five or six years ago would have expected to see him at Palace so when you got him bit of a coup were you expecting him to set the world on fire? Yes no um, we know players peak at different times true um so whether he can maintain that form. Um, it's a bit of an enigma, really, because some games he's, he's untouchable, he's unplayable. But like I said, when he started against Burnley, he, he really struggled. Now, I don't know whether that's because when he comes on, he's playing against tired players so that he can bamboozle them a bit more. But, but perhaps that's it. Maybe it was nerves from starting a game. Who knows that? Who knows with these players? What well, well, it could be that affects their performance? Yeah, when Max Meyer came in, I think most Palace fans, I think he's he's got a two-year contract. We're looking at it as like a two years. We have to sell it to him because we, no one really expects him to stay on when when he first joined. Anyway, no one really expected him to stay on. As you said, he's 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 known as one of the best prospects coming up from in the Bundesliga. So it's been weird season. He's he's had the, the problem I have with uh, him not getting selected is that there has been games where he has performed good. He, when he, when he, he comes gives on, you something different. Yeah, he well. gives something different. And in the limited time that him and Wilf have been on the pitch, they've shown really good signs, you know, of going forward and being a real danger. And I think Wilf has been missing, missing that this season as well. As someone who has good footwork and can do that one or two good 
passes because James McArthur, he's been struggling. So Wilf hasn't had that person next to him. And we lost Ruben Loftus-Cheek, of course, this season. Um, he's not with us. Uh, he went back to Chelsea. So Max Meyer is that kind of player. I see him like that. And despite him playing good, Roy still decides to drop him. I don't know. I think it's, it's more to do with trust. I don't think he really trusts Max Meyer as much as he does with other players like Jeffrey Schlupp. And do James do you trust Max Meyer? Yeah, I, I trust him because when he, when he has been on the pitch, there hasn't been anything that he has done in particular that has made me question him. It's been mainly him playing good. I mentioned the Man City game, but after the Man City game, we played against Cardiff. He got dropped straight after that, and then we played Chelsea, and he wasn't start. He wasn't starting for that game as well. Yeah, you, sorry, you lost me about halfway through there. You were going for every game. And... He's yeah. been impressive, but he's come and he's gone. Lots to get our teeth into in the next hour. Stay with us on the Crystal Palace Fan Show. This is Love Sport. This is Love Sport. We've got a fantastic second hour lined up for you here on the Love Sport Crystal Palace Fan Show. First up, a little bit of controversy. The club's under-23 games live stream is now being monetized, only available now for gold members of the club. Shame on the club is the suggestion from my friends from Back of the Nest podcast with me. Surely for the youth teams, anybody should be able to watch it free of charge. We've, of course, been singing the praises of both Wilfred Zaha and Aaron Wan-Bissaka, but both of them are being linked with moves abroad. Dortmund, Bayern Munich, both continuing the German obsession with English talent that seems to be going on at the moment. First, before all of that, we're heading over to the Sky News Centre for your headlines. This is Love Sport. You are listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. It's with me, Johnny Burrow, and I'm delighted to be joined by Nick Gillett and Dr. Kernaz from the Back of the Nest podcast. Bizarre to hear in our Sky News headlines there that Kylie Jenner has become the first, uh, youngest, I should say, billionaire. And various people have been using the term self-made there. I think self-made in that context, (laughs) sorry, Kylie, probably a little bit liberal. But the reason why I bring that up, Dr. is because we're talking money. And we're not talking billions, luckily, but we are talking a few quid. And I think a few people are suggesting that we're talking a few quid for something that really should be free. Can you talk us through this? Yeah, um, the under-23s game were mainly showing for free on the club app. But yesterday, the club, um, all of a sudden for the Bolton under-23s game, they said that if you've got a gold membership... um, then you can you can watch the game live. And, and if you don't have a gold membership, yeah. crucially, no luck. You can't watch it at all. Yeah, and people have got their season tickets. I've got a season ticket, for example. I normally don't watch the games, but I know that people who do watch the games, they don't have gold membership because they they feel like they've pay a fair share with well, their season, and also, season tickets. You, you might be watching the under-23s because you don't always get a chance to watch the seniors. Uh, just so everyone listening can understand, gold membership at Palace, obviously all clubs do this in a different way. Is gold membership different to a season ticket? Yes. Right, so you you guys are season ticket holders? Yep. Yeah. Do you have gold membership? No. no. 
neither of you and we're no. talking serious fans here running a podcast been going for 40 yeah. years in the case of nick so why don't you have a gold membership i mean what does it nominally offer um, nothing yeah, yeah <laughs> well if you, if you haven't got a season ticket but you want to go to the occasional game the gold membership gives you priority for tickets so it allows you to get to Selhurst Park sometimes when you can. It's this yeah. thing we're seeing, and should be stated, this isn't just a Palace thing. No, it's, it's a fairly over. unpleasant theme in modern football where you pay to even get the chance to pay for a ticket. The under-23s, Palace, that there's a really good culture there, isn't there, of bringing young players through. Wilfred Zahar's one of them. Victor Moses was another back in the day. How important are they to the ethos of the club more broadly? Less since we've gone up. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, because and you got know, money. It, the money, the difference in money must be incredible. Because part of the joy of being in the championship is you see players come through and you see them get on elsewhere as well. Um, but when we were in the championship, we had players like Sean Scannell, quite possibly could have gone on to do better things, but it, it was good to watch them develop. Johnny Williams is a classic case in point, there is now at Charlton playing his trade. Um, he didn't get a lot of football, Williams, at Palace, did he? He was always injured. But he never got injured playing for us. He either got injured playing for Wales or while he was out on loan. Um, yeah, one, of a, them. Uh, yeah. one of them. One of them. But he had so much potential. But, yeah, it's just it's, it's frustrating because I'll be honest, I, as I said, I don't watch a lot of under-23s game. But yesterday, going on social media, there's actually genuinely some people that love watching under-23s because... You want to see the next coming stars. And also, we had the new goalkeeper that we bought in, in January, I think, Lucas Perry, who also started that game. But you couldn't see it because we, they don't have gold memberships. But they feel like they should be able to see it. Um, I, they don't understand why it's changed in the first place. They, they're season ticket holders. Even if you're not season ticket holders, it's the under-23s. It's a joke. I mean, as, as far as I can see it, regardless of whether you're really bothered about watching the under-23s, and we'll come on to what the response has been like from the fans in just a moment. Mm. I'd have thought, if you are, and this is only my personal view, of course, but if you're a season ticket holder at a club, doesn't that entitle you to see pretty much everything? I mean, it's a lot of money now, Premier League football. You're For loads of fans, it's a very high percentage of their wage. Surely you should be able to watch the kids. Yeah, I think the most frustrating thing is that it's a random thing. No one really expected it. It's been free all season long. And it wasn't suggested that this was going to happen? No, no. No one really saw it coming. It just came randomly. And as you said, we're in the Premier League. Do You get lots of money from fans already, but your main share of income comes from TV. The fact that you have to monetize an under-23s game is just ridiculous. Like There's always a connection with the club at Palace, and it feels like that connection is slowly drifting away from just small things like that. What's the point? Why... You know, as a fan, why are you taking that away from me when there there isn't no reason what you're going to get from getting a couple of quid? You're just losing a connection. Are things that tight now? Yeah, but it can't be. Even if it's that tight, if it is, then we need to sell. Play, like, if it's come to that point that you need to get, I don't know how much a gold membership costs, like twenty pound or ten pound. If you if if it's that tight and you need that ten or twenty pound, then there's clearly something going wrong at the club. You're not you're not running it properly if they're ten or twenty pound if you need that from the odd fan. That you can't use that as an excuse in my opinion. And so the response more broadly from the fans has been what? Um the fans that do watch it, they were shocked. Um they were upset about it and rightly so. Um sorry on Twitter yesterday. And I, I don't know, um I think there's a possibility that it could change if fans are more vocal about it. Go back to how it was before and 
become free, but I'm not too sure. It's just frustrating, though, that it has come to the stage in the first place. Very frustrating indeed. Elsewhere in the world of football, we have kicked off in our two Champions League games for the evening. And there is a big, big shock early scoreline, which is Ajax visiting the Santiago Bernabeu away to Real Madrid. Came into this game 2-0 down. It's now 2-1 on aggregate and Hakim Ziyech has bagged that big, big away goal. The Moroccan is very highly rated and lots of people, myself included, are amazed he's still playing at Ajax. I have to say the other game remains 0-0. That's Tottenham Hotspur, 3-0 up on aggregate, of course, travelling to Borussia Dortmund who are a club who are particularly relevant for the Crystal Palace fan show because they, with Bayern Munich, are two of the Bundesliga and more broadly foreign clubs being linked with transfer moves for not just Aaron Wambasaka but also now Wilfred Zahar. Yeah. 150 million a pair and they can have them. <laughs> <laughs> so that's 150 between the two or each? Between them. Between them? Um, but I, I don't think you could put a price on them because I think it'd be too detrimental to the team. And Exactly. I mean, But if they had to go... I'd rather them go to a foreign team than have the ignominy of, of a watching Man City him right, kiss the Arsenal badge again in front of the Palace fans after he's relegated them because that's just not fair. <laughs> yeah, I, if if they were to go, which I don't want them at all, go abroad. Don't stay in the Premier League because I, don't, I, feel, I feel like the Gareth Bale situation, for example, even though he's still not playing here, the English media can be a bit toxic at times. And I feel like Wilfred Zaha has always fought on the negative side of things. He's been described as a diver by the media at time, and it's it's reflected. You see, you see on Twitter as well. Anybody who isn't a Palace fan basically yeah. thinks he's a diver. Yeah, there are moments to play devil's advocate. There are. I agree with you completely that Zaha does perhaps get unfairly treat, treated, but there have been moments where Wilfred Zaha has been called a diver and has been diving. He hasn't. Done. No, we've 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 been asking on Twitter for ages and ages and ages for somebody to show us proof. And there was nobody... a bit of a dive against Arsenal earlier in the season. Granite Xhaka for the penalty. Granite Xhaka himself said it. He said that it was a penalty. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but you know, much as I hate VAR, hopefully uh, I can't bear VAR, but um, hopefully we'll be vindicated in uh, our assertions about Wilf and diving. Well, yeah. with Zaha, we've also seen a lot of conversation, of course, about Raheem Sterling, where his unfair treatment, yeah. both by the press and by referees, could in some way be related to race. Wilfred Zaha, also, of course, a black man. We don't tend to see white attacking players attacked in the same way. Harry Kane dives more than Wilf does, actually. Yeah. And how often do you hear Harry Kane, England captain, being called a diver? Exactly. That's the thing. That's why. I, what was, what that's was, why I want them to move abroad if they were to leave. But with with that, then, if they were to move to another club in England, and let's assume that there was no bad behaviour on the part of the player, there was no threatening to go on strike, none of that rubbish. But they just the club accepted a bid from a Manchester City or a Chelsea or whoever, and they went. Would there be ill feeling towards either of those players from the Palace fan base? Um, no, 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 because Zaha he had this. I wouldn't say a chance because he went to United. He didn't really get a chance when he was there. There was just too many. Like Ferguson left, and it's too, sorry, it's two-two on aggregate uh, in the Ajax and Real Madrid game. I've just seen pop up in front of me now. Ajax, I, I thought it was two-one. It's actually two-two with Real Madrid just leading on away goals. What sorry, I did notice, you. sorry, just to take us away before we come back to that. Do you know Cheltenham played at the Johnny Rock Stadium? Is it named after you? 
<laughs> Sadly not. If only my surname was Rock, I think it would be a lot more. <laughs> or, or, or indeed English. Uh, while, while we're dealing with Wilfred Zahar and Wambasaka, just to wrap up on this transfer room at front, um, you you cited 150 million quid. Wambasaka has got to be at least a fifty million pound player yeah. in today's market because, taken into account, both of them they're English. You're talking potential as well in the case of Wambasaka and arguably Zaha. So individually, yeah, uh, Ivory Coast not English. No, but he counts as homegrown. All oh, right, yeah, yeah. So he yeah, played yeah. for England in friendly games, came mm. through at Palace, now plays his international football for Ivory Coast. But in terms of the homegrown rulings, they both count for that. With that in mind, how many millions each? How many? Uh, well, as you said, Wan Bissaka, he's only 20 years old, and Kyle Walker went for 55, I think, million. So, Wan Bissaka, it in two years' time, I can see him going for at least 60 million based on what Kyle Walker. But if, 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 if you were selling him now, what's the figure? Sell him now, still 55, 50. 55 and Zaha? Uh, it's 60. Okay, so we're talking 110 there. Nick, are you sticking with 150 million? Yeah, in today's market, if silly price to be played for players, then we've got the we've got to get as much as we can from them. One hundred and fifty million it is. If any potential bidders are listening, start your bidding there <laughs> and don't waste our time. Coming up, a few four-word reviews. This is Love Sport. Well, listeners, I'm afraid we asked for a bed, any bed, and we have been (laughs) well and truly taken at our word. Let's get it on, plays under us, and let's get it on with our four-word reviews. And I'll hand over to Nick of the Back of the Nest podcast to get us underway. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing what the music can do to how you read them out. Yeah, it's like We should have Metallica next week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, let's switch it up, get get a different tone. Z-Block Partizani. Roy is right. Again. <laughs> mm. Rob C. Mitchell. Zaha is God. Deadhurst under the lights. Yay! MOTD, or one word, watching tonight. <laughs> Very good. Yes. Clever use of the acronym. Yeah. Brandon, we'll allow it. Yeah, yeah we'll allow at, it. At Hundula Wallace. That's about 25 words there. <laughs> <laughs> we won't allow yeah. that. What's yeah. he gone for? Let's hear it anyway. Putting in Meyer against Burnley wasn't exactly the best opportunity <laughs> for him. He's like five foot five, and all of Burnley's players are six foot plus. The difference is that Meyer, who was tiny, he was <laughs> oh, he playing got in two the clauses. Right. He had no chances. Schlupp was on the wing. Right. I, I think, that, well, yeah, that's uh, a bit over the we, top. We yeah. always love your messages into the show, but perhaps a misunderstanding of the word for. <laughs> yeah. Robert Freeman. At Rob underscore Trudy, wear white at home. Ooh, Ooh. awake it. And Kevin, I think he's replied, go away games more. (laughs) (laughs) Go away (laughs) games more. There it is. Well, touching on that suggestion, obviously a half joking suggestion. We can get rid of the bed now, Dave. It's making (laughs) me me uncomfortable. I was just Uh, getting into the groove there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, it's, it's been turned up. Thank you. No, I'm enjoying it, really. I am enjoying it, really. Um, talking about that obviously slightly flippant suggestion of playing the home games in the away kit, because as we picked up on, the away form is so good. Is that sacrilegious or would a bit of white 
cheer things up at Soul House Park. Well, I don't know. (laughs) Try it out because our home record is abysmal. Um, The fact that we're only uh, one position above Huddersfield at um, 19th, I believe our home record is, and we've we've only scored 10 or 15 goals. I think, yeah, we've scored 10 goals at home all season long. So there is serious issues at home, but... Yeah, maybe try to white kit <laughs> because right now things are not working as it is. But but thinking seriously then, it's quite unusual for a club to have wonderful away form and diabolical home form, particularly when the support at home is as good as it is at Selhurst Park. I mean, it's widely recognised as the best in the league or certainly one of the yeah. best in the league. The atmosphere isn't the problem. With that in mind, what is going on? The way we play. We are more set up to play counter-attacking football and if... If you, you're playing a team who are going to sit back, we struggle to take it to them a little bit, don't we? We, we, we tend to wait for teams to kind of be a bit drag out, be draggled all over the pitch trying to break us down and we can fill in the gaps that they're leaving. Yeah, at home, yeah, it's different because at home, the wayside normally comes in with the mentality that they're trying to get a point at least, whereas when you go away from home, they want the three points. So when they're sitting back, we've struggled to break them down. And that's pretty much been the case, really. Right. So fans often get unhappy when their team is playing at home and the team are perceived to not be setting up in a, in a sufficiently positive way. We saw this early on this season with Rafa Benitez at Newcastle. We saw it every week throughout the season with Jose Mourinho at Manchester United. With that in mind, would it be excessively fatalistic for Roy to set up to invite pressure on at home to enable Palace to play on the counter? Is that an option or would the fans not be having it? I think it is an op- It We do play like that in a way at home. We we encourage teams to come at us and break us down. But it's just the way that away teams just regroup and then they just, they're not as attacking as they would be at home that's pretty much it they do come at us but it's still not as effective that's pretty much it well talking of playing on the break talking of playing as an underdog side and talking of turning up with a sensational early scoreline it is 2-0 to Ajax at the Bernabeu David Neres the very highly rated young Brazilian winger makes it too and actually Ajax have a wonderful squad it goes under the radar a little bit but the likes of Ziyech and Neres who was quite an expensive import really can do the business with moving back to crystal palace of course on the crystal palace yeah. fan show do you think that there are acquisitions that could be made in the transfer market to fit the home form what kind of player coming into the side would enable you to break down perhaps more defensive teams more effectively not really the transfer market you look at our squad Max Meyer we talked about him earlier on so just start Meyer at home yeah because he's he's more of a creative player and we kind of missed our home games especially when teams are sitting back if we bring Max Meyer into the side and seeing what he's done with Wilf this season when he has played um, it, it, I think he'll make us more dangerous going forward we haven't last season we had Ruben Loftus-Cheek and we and Johan Kobay, both of them are gone now. And it seems like the creativity part of things, we're kind of missing that. Jeffrey Slup, he has come in and had he was our player of the month. Um, has been a bit consistent lately, but still in terms of creativity and making them pass it through the narrow gaps, I still think that you re, we got the player and it's Max, Max Meyer, but he just needs to start more games. Well, could that be the answer? Max Meyer starting for Palace at home. We, of course, ever... 
As ever, sorry, want you to have your say. Get involved. You can get in touch on the phones with 0208 70 20 558 or on social media, Twitter, Instagram, whatever you like, at Love Sport Radio. With that in mind, if you do get in touch, it's your very last chance to get your listener questions in and we'll be going through them just in a moment. This is Love Sport. Welcome back to the Crystal Palace Fan Show here on Love Sport Radio. You're with me, Johnny Burrow, and of course, DR and Nick from the Back of the Nest podcast. And Nick, we've got our listener questions in for us to get our teeth into. Yeah, via our Facebook page, um, Tom Rado said, um, given where we are now in 13th place, with nine games to go, where should we be aiming to realistically finish? Oh, it's 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 a difficult thing to really because it it really depends on your next two three games. If you end up losing the next three, then you're just looking down, and then win the next two, you're looking up. I think right now we're at a position where we've got a good run of you know games and where we've won and got some good points. So it's more looking up, and I think we're only four points uh, below top ten. So that's yeah. A, yeah no, it, you're you're. Yeah, so four points off top ten. It's Palace in thirteenth with thirty three points. Twelfth is Bournemouth. They've only got thirty four and a much worse goal difference. In eleventh, it's Leicester City with thirty five points. Again, their goal difference is less impressive. And then in tenth, with a better goal difference, it's Everton on thirty seven points. Harder to catch them, but not impossible. Yeah. So I think, um, at this stage, we're pretty much just looking up and I think a top 10 finish will be fantastic considering how bad we started the season. So you're not scared of a challenge coming from below, obviously Newcastle immediately below you, 31 points and of course looking ahead to the weekend with the clash against Brighton Brighton are three points behind as well so if they were to beat Palace that suddenly gets a lot feistier in the middle of the table. It it does but even a couple of weeks back when we were playing really bad no one no one is really worried about relegation it sounds weird but even when we're three points above the relegation that, zone that, that's because you can't see Cardiff or Southampton making up the points even if we we you know we, we just need a couple more wins which are you know we've got Huddersfield near the end of the season we've got Bournemouth last game that that's going to be a beach beach game if ever there was one isn't it so um I'm not worried about going down. I haven't really thought too much about where we'll end up. But it's been the same the last couple of seasons where we've been near the bottom and, and then come January got we've, we've got safe. It, it just, yeah. just makes you wonder why it takes so long for us to gel other yeah. than not having strikers. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. It's always where good on one half of the season and bad on the other half. It just makes me wonder, what if we were good just throughout the season and more consistent then? You know where we'll finish. Because we're not... Even right now, we're only... 10 points below 7th so if we had a good you know if we won 2 or 3 more games then we'll be right up there challenging for 7th so it just puts into hindsight wonderful stuff Nick our next question um, oh, you've got the next question <laughs> here, sorry. Yeah, I've got, I've got um question from Kevin he, he asks who is Roy who is Roy's preferred goalkeeper and striker choice we kind of discussed that earlier didn't we Geiter and Batshuayi surely yeah, I think so. I, I, I'm not too sure about um, striker. I think he's opted back Shawai. Um I guess, yeah. Back yeah, yeah. Back and he, he seems to be the last game he's put Ayu uh, in, hasn't he? Rather than Benteke. Yeah. Does Ayu does convince you too? Because I'm obviously coming at this from an external perspective, but wherever I've watched Jordan Ayu, whether it was in France, whether it was playing for Swansea, whether it was at Palace, he just hasn't impressed me. 
No, he he hasn't, but he scored that goal against Wolves and he got a bit of confidence, scored against Grimsby a game after. But I think now that we've got Michi Batshuayi, Roy prefers him over Jordan Ayew. And then if that doesn't work, he's Christian Benteke. So he hasn't really had that many chances as of late. But I know what you mean. He He's a he's a weird a weird striker. I don't know. Some people say he's not a striker. Some people say he's a um, winger. He's not a winger. <laughs> but that's the thing. Some people do. I, I find him as a striker. But some Palace fans say that he's a winger. As me personally, I don't think he's techni- technically good enough to be a winger. So, yeah, it's a weird one with Jordan. I, I think he'll go back to Swansea. I don't think we'll be pursuing but nobody Would you have his brother? It's nobody weird. hates him. He's, he's becoming a bit of a cult hero, isn't he? Yeah. In a way. Yeah, after that Wolves goal. I don't know. I've, lots of people did send hate for him before, you know, the Wolves goal because he was just performing below standard. He he runs. Don't get me wrong. He, he tries runs hard. All, yeah, he tries hard. Runs all over the pitch. But it's a bit like Cameron Jerome. Like, we had him before. We need goal scorers right now. We don't need someone who works hard. But, yeah. Um, should we go to the next question? Yeah, please. We got one from PD Eagle 84 Why did we play 4-4-2 all season when we had no fit strikers? Now we have several and he's playing 4-3-3-4-5-1 again. (laughs) It's a very good question, you'd have to say. I think, naturally, our best formation, me personally, I think that is 4-3-3 in the first place. I think 4-4-2 is a bit old school. Uh, How many clubs in the Premier League, or indeed La Liga, the Bundesliga, Serie A, how many top teams play 4-4-2? Yeah, and I think we get the best out of... um, Wilfred Zaha when we play 4-3-3 anyways. I think he, him playing out wide and now that we've got Michi Batshuayi, who he's our striker, it just works better. I'd rather Zaha play out wide than play next to Michi Batshuayi. And I think the 4-3-3 and 4-5-1 formation works better. We kind of, yeah. Didn't we go through a phase where we were kind of mixing up the formation during the game? Yeah, we were, but... Earlier on in the season, the reason why we were playing 4-4-2, I think, is mainly due to injuries in the first place. We didn't really have... Um, Benteke was, of course, out. Um, and it was mainly Andros Townsend and Wilfred Zaha playing up front. So it, it, we didn't really have an outright striker. We struggled in that position. But now that they're coming back from injuries and we've got more options, we've we've gone back to what we really want to play. And I think that's the two-formation, 4-3-3 and 4-5-1. Talk, yeah. Talking about those attacking options then, if the worst were to happen and Wilfred Zaha did head off, be it to Germany or another Premier League club or indeed to China, which is a link we've seen before, yeah. if Zaha were to depart Selhurst Park in the summer, who from the squad currently steps up and fills his boots? Um, I think Max Meyer. I think really It's a name we're hearing a lot tonight. Yeah, but I, that's it. I. Bakary Saka, I guess, is another option. But if you're looking at talent-wise, Maya has played out wide a couple of games. So I guess him right now. But I think we'll get a replacement. There isn't really anyone yeah. in the squad that will is, is irreplaceable anyway. You know, Is that yeah, just repl- in terms of talent or is it the fact that he's a Croydon boy, loves the club, all of that? Just for what he does on the pitch. Just purely and for the skill. And he, loves, he genuinely loves Palace. He's... Yeah, it would be it's, hard. It would be hard replacing him. Um, I think, yeah, what he does on the pitch and just I see him as Mr. Crystal Palace. You, you just, can, he represents us well. He's just, he's local guy. And if you go to the shops in Croydon, don't be surprised if you bump into Wilfred Zaha. Really? Is he knocking yeah. around? Yeah, yeah he's, he's that type of, that <laughs> that local. And if you were to bump into him in whichever uh, yeah. shop of choice, is he pleased to see you? No. No. I'll, yeah, I'll have to admit. Um, it depends. It depends how he's feeling. But 
um i've heard stories that at times he's not really the you know he's he he, he tends to especially outside Sellers park he just tends to mind his own business he doesn't really but that's what i've heard a person i haven't met him but yeah I've had, I've I've seen him in his car when I've been sort of queuing in the traffic by the Croydon underpass. And I've had a thumbs up. <laughs> That's a claim to fame. You've had a yeah, thumbs up. I've, or I've if, you, thumb, if you wave, yeah, yeah. I think it depends. If you ha- if you've got your kid next to you, yeah, and it's, it's then different. then yeah, he will. But then when it's people around you know, eighteen plus, it, it's just no, he hasn't got time for that, right? I mean, really. it's a, it's a hard balance to strike, isn't it? When you're a public figure, showing respect to the people who love you, but also wanting to have some privacy. I mean, h- how do you guys react when your fans come up to you in public? We have an situation. We um we did once do a doomed TV channel called Fan TV. Wonderful. And um, with the lovely Toby Tarrant presenting, and a couple of us got stopped outside the ground a couple of times because they'd recognised us on there. All right. But, and and were, had, were they nice? Yeah, they were great. And I've had people at the game saying, oh, I know your voice. Hmm. Do you do um, five-year plan? And I said, no, we're back <laughs> to the nest. Five-year <laughs> plan, another one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's weird, people recognising your voice. Yeah. You know, I think it's happened before of course i was saying but it has happened but it's just um it's just humbling, you get really. you get people coming to your kebab shop yeah well yeah there's actually that situation yeah there is people that come to my kebab shop yeah they they come in and they talk to my dad about me and he was like oh listen to the boy and just talk about the situation. amazing <laughs> yeah that's, that's class yeah. Has, yeah. has your dad heard from the police again after his uh oh they can't yeah yeah, yeah go got on. a message yeah got what happened uh they're investigating it Okay, like, <laughs> I think I think if the police are involved, it's yeah. probably <laughs> probably best left off air for various reasons. But we can we can absolutely confirm that no one from the Crystal Palace fan show was involved, and we yeah. won't be sprinting out the studio <laughs> at the end. Coming up, of course, a look ahead to a massive game for Palace. It's Brighton, and as ever on Love Sport Radio, we are keen to get the view from the opposition side of things. Even gents, when it's Brighton, I've promised you won't be too mean, but I think we can give him a grilling. We're going to be chatting to Kerry. Mayo, who is a legend. thought you were going to say Alan Mullery then. I was about to leave the studio. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kerry Mayo, a legend of Brighton and Hove Albion. Over 400 league appearances coming right up. This is Love Sport. The Opposition View on Love Sport. It is, of course, that time of the show. You're listening to the Crystal Palace Fan Show on Love Sport Radio. And as ever, we want to hear from the upcoming opposition for Palace this weekend. This weekend, It's going to be a feisty one. It's Brighton and a man who is a legend at Brighton & Hove Albion at the Amex is Kerry Mayo. Over 400 appearances. Kerry, thanks so much for joining us. Did you play in this fixture personally? I did. I played in about four or five fixtures. Over my time, I was at the club. I was there 14 years professionally. Well, this and, uh, this was the thing. I was assuming that you would have played, but then we talked to uh, we talked to Dean Gordon, former Palace left back, earlier on the show, who was yeah. at Palace for a similar length of time. And I went, Dean, what's this fixture like to play? And he went, Don't know, never did. So I just yeah. I just thought I'd make it sure. You, of course, Kerry, as you've just said, are well experienced in it. Is it a properly feisty derby? It used to be when I when I was playing. Um, for the fans, it still is, for the supporters. But as a player, I think the game's evolved so much that they, in the nicest possible way, there's so many um, foreigners playing or, or players that aren't so local anymore that don't really associate what the derby, you know, the Palace-Brighton 
they'd be aware of what the game means to, to the club and the supporters. But I don't think, I think when the game's evolved so much that it's more about just go on the pitch, do the job, what's in hand, um, do it, you know, be professional about it. Whereas before, when I was playing, the first first Palace um, v Brighton game I played in was Steve Copple's first game in charge for Brighton. Bear in mind he was a wow, player. Wow, yeah, that's, that's, that's so, a big one. And that's that's not a very good one for us to remember. A bit different for you guys as Palace fans, but it was, uh, you know, Andrew, Andy Johnson was playing, but he beat us 5 0 that day. We and beat, Stevie Copple, didn't we, we went you? on a, a good run after that. I think we beat you 5 0 twice that season, didn't we? I can't remember. Yeah. I he's, remember he's admitted five to one of them, We got battered at Hello Park and it was embarrassed. But, you know, so then I've got up there other times when we played, we've won 1 0, Paul McShane header, and yeah, and it sort of meant more to me as a local lad, as a Brighton fan as well, in the dressing room, than it did the players. So, you know, for the players, it was just three points, but for me personally, it was uh, you know, one over on the rivals. But I think the, the Palace fans got more up on me than I've Palace over the years when I played anyway. And Kerry, there you're talking about being obviously a local lab, which is a great thing to see in football, a Brighton fan as well. Quite unusual in these rivalries, though, for someone to have a really impressive relationship with both clubs, to have played at both for quite a while. One obviously still operating and operating at a very high level for Brighton is Glenn Murray, who Palace fans know very well from his stint there. Do you think he can make an impact against his former employer? I don't see why not. Glenn's a great professional. He's kept himself in fantastic shape. And I'm sure they look after him on the training ground as well and give him rest days when needed. You know, he's sort of, he's 35 now. He's not getting any younger. But comes with age, comes experience. Um, and Glenn, as we've all seen, and you guys would have seen at Palace, he, he's very good at reading the game. He knows where to be and, and when to arrive there. And, and he, if nothing else, he's a fantastic finisher. And he's, he's one of the best finishers in the Premier League, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, he's one of the only sort of players that's left us that really, really gets applause when they come back, which is surprising considering he's, he's sort of ended up back at Brighton. But yeah, there's a genuine respect for, for Glenn Murray at Palace, which is, you know, yeah, look, and it still not, carries let's on. Not you, let's not forget you took him from us first, though, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed. And, and to be fair, when, when he was playing for Palace, he came back to Brighton, he got, a, he, he got a good reception as well, so... It just goes to show the type of player that he is. He's very good with the supporters. All the supporters love him everywhere he's been. And everywhere he's been, he's scored goals. So there's no reason for there to be any sort of animosity towards him. He's a good player. And, you know, if he scores on, on, the, on the weekend, then great for him, great for Brighton. But I'll be honest with you, Palace are in fantastic form at the moment. And it's now not a very good time for us to, to play them. However, on the flip side of that, uh, you know, beating Huddersfield, Brighton beating Huddersfield, the weekend was a massive three points for us and it was come at the right time where results sort of went our way. So hopefully now that this bit of confidence has been reinstalled in the lads, uh, but it's certainly got a recipe for a great game this weekend. Yeah, um, just you were talking about how um, having lots of people that don't really understand the game, just how important do you think it is to have a player like Wilfred Zaha who has been involved in so many of these um, derby games for Palace? Well the, well, the lad's got experience, hasn't he? Uh, you know, he's not even that old, really. He's still a relatively young player, but he's got so much. The thing is, Wilfred Zaha is the sort of player that will win you a game on a you know, moment of magic. He's got that about him. Um, you know, it's no secret he's, that he's the most the most fouled player in the Premier League, and there's a reason for that. It's because he's tricky, he's good, he's quick. Um, you know, and his game's improved. He, he's 
he's defending more now than what he ever was. He's not just going forward. He's thinking about getting back in when, when they've lost possession. And Roy is certainly getting the best out of him. And, and Roy is sort of giving him a free reign, really, just to go and believe and just be himself. And, and all he's doing is, is just hurting the opposition every time he plays. So he's, he's a constant threat every time he gets the ball. So it goes without saying that he's certainly a player to, to watch. And but it's not just him. He, I mean, the Palace, the team as a whole... Obviously, Wil- Wilfred Zaha is a, I believe he's a world-class player. And, you know, he, I, th- I feel <laughs> for them. I said, we're all nodding. <laughs> yeah, no, he is. and Like, when he gets the ball, I'm sure you you as all fans sort of get excited and bums off seats sort of thing. He, he's that sort of player. And it, on his day, he's, he's probably one of the best wingers, you know, in, in the world, really, on his day. Because he can he can tear any fullback apart. Kerry, looking at ahead to the fixture more broadly, obviously Wilfred Zaha is a man who will, as you say, scare any team in the league. But as a Brighton boy through and through, do you look at Palace ahead of the weekend and worry for your side? I'm going to be honest with you. At the moment, with the way Palace are playing, yes. I'm not going to lie. Um, you know, Roy's got them playing very, very well at the moment and they're playing with a lot of confidence and a lot of belief. Um Obviously, Brighton have just come off, as I said already, they've come off the back of a good win against Huddersfield at home, um, which was much needed. And Huddersfield are as good as down anyway, I think, now. It's too much for them to come back. But even still, you've still got to win games. And But Brighton are by no means safe. Um, you know, the five points clear of the relegation zone. But obviously, Cardiff coming up for Brighton soon as well. But Palace this weekend, it'd be nice to get back-to-back. You know, the Brighton fan is a Brighton player and Brighton team, it'd be nice for Brian to get back-to-back victories just if nothing else just to uh, get that one step closer to uh, securing safety so, so what what went wrong at Brighton because there was a time earlier in the season where you were nine points ahead of us we were getting lots of tweets saying mind the gap and suddenly we find ourselves a few points ahead of you I'm not crowing much but um, what, what, <laughs> what went wrong at Brighton was it just bad luck because we had a lot of that earlier in the season where luck wasn't coming our way and it, it just seems to be now or was it the team just not having any belief? Can you put it down no, to anyone not at all. Or? Not at all. I mean, as obviously, as an ex-player, but also a fan, I still go and watch them regularly. Uh, more home games. Very rarely do I go away games. But we, Brighton always tend to have the the run of the play, a lot of possession and, and dictate play. And solidly, we've always been very, very good as a defensive unit. What we have lacked in the past, but we've got it a bit more this season, is when we do go forward, we can go forward with tempo and actually hurt teams. So, you know, we're sort of catching up on the counter-attack inside of the game where which where it's evolved to at the moment. But the the, the phase that you're on about is, is sheer down to bad luck. It, there was a stage there where we, we have more shots, more corners, more set pieces than the opposition. The only thing we weren't doing is one either hitting the target or hitting the back of the net. Whereas the other team would go up the other end have just, you know, very few chances. But, capitalise and, and we'll be penalised as a result of our, not, not not well, it'll either be poor finishing in front of goal or certainly not uh, taking the half chances that we would have earlier in the season. Kerry, before you leave us, I'm afraid I've got to put you on the spot, mate. If I had to press you for a score prediction for the weekend, what would you go for? I'd go for a two-all draw. Two-all draw. Very diplomatic. You heard it here first. <laughs> Kerry Dixon, Brighton legend. Thank you ever. Kerry Mayo, sorry, I do apologise. No, Kerry Dixon's my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you ever so much for joining us. Wonderful stuff as ever. Kerry Mayo there, Brighton player. And I think Palace can probably still get a result. We'll be getting our teeth and our talent into it just after the break.
This is Love Sport. It is, of course, the Crystal Palace fan show here on Love Sport Radio. Lovely chatting to Kerry Mayo there. Brighton legend, a weird phrase to be saying on a Crystal Palace show. <laughs> but he was, of course, providing the opposition view, looking ahead to the massive fixture this weekend against Brighton. Gents, how do you see it panning out? Well, I think we've gone on a good run of form. We're playing some good football. But it's a home game and we tend to struggle at home. So that's the only worry. But... Last season, when did, when Brighton did come to our ground, we it was a fantastic game and we played some great football. So, I think we'll be able to. I think we'll be able to get a result over them uh, if we continue playing like how we have done and turn our turn our away record and our away form more at home and play like that at home. Then we'll be fine. Yeah, um, I think we need to go at them um, and get an early goal. And that way, as I was saying earlier, we like we like to play on the break. And Kerry was saying that they like to play on the break. Get the, <laughs> no maybe both teams, yeah, just going to sit, sit in their back, own yeah. box. But once once you've got the goal, and I think you've got to go all out to get an early goal, which we haven't been doing that much. If you can get that, then you can win by more. I think I think the motivating factor for Palace could be the fact that last time we faced them, it was just. It was just scary. Like, if you're thinking about it now, it was just horrendous. The, when we faced them at their ground, how we got red card and how we lost 3-0 and barely had any shots, it's like the players know that they have to. There, there are wrongs yeah, to be yeah, right. Yeah, especially having Zaha on the side who knows the fixture and was playing at that 3-0 defeat. They will be pumped up. Right. And I think that's, a, that's another positive as well because you need to... As um, Kerry said, you need to have players who actually understand the fixture. And I think we've got that in Zaha, so that's an advantage for us. And Wan-Bissaka as well, you'd have thought. So we'll have a yeah. few punchy challenges coming in in the defence. Yeah. Kerry was, of course, talking about Zaha as the man he'd identified quite rightly as Palace's main man, as the person to be scared of for Brighton. But from a Palace point of view, looking at that Brighton squad, there's some impressive attacking talent in there. Who stands out for you as a potential danger? Um, I'm not. I'm not really too sure. I don't really. I don't really. Yeah, I don't really yeah. look up Brighton who's, as much. Who's the guy they got recently? Pascal Gross or Yakanbash? It might have been Yakanbash, but they, they've got a new player in that's been quite good. Um, or Jurgen Lacadia, who's been it scoring. Might be, yeah, Lacadia, Dutch centre forward in yeah. for, in from PSV, I believe he was. So yeah, they've they've got newer players in. Um, they they're, they're capable of scoring. Um, yeah, they should. And, it. and Murray's always a worry because they they come back and haunt you. There's something. It is a cliche, isn't it? But it does always seem to happen. Yeah, he missed a massive chance against us when we last played them at our ground. Um, yeah. And yeah. That. So yeah, Murray. Uh, that's probably yeah. Yeah, that should be my answer, it's Glenn Murray, because I can see him getting a goal. He scored against us in a three-nil defeat. Did he? Yeah, I think he did. I think he did. I just tried to erase that off my memory, celebrate. but yeah, he didn't celebrate. Yeah, I think he did score. But I'm not really that worried about Brighton's attack force, to be honest, because we've been so good defensively. I think we're we've kept one of the most clean sheets in the Premier League this season. We're ranked fifth, I think, in clean sheets kept. So I'm not really that worried about when defensively. You consider the amount of games we've lost as well. Still only we're minus three or minus four, I think, on the mm. goal difference. So well, it's, it's telling looking at the league table, the clubs around you, your goal difference is by fun. Exactly. Yeah. Just massively it's, superior. Yeah, it's just the other side of the pitch that's really the concern. But 
when since Batshuayi has come in, we've slightly improved in that area. So, yeah, I'm not I'm not that worried, and I'm confident. I'm looking forward to it because we need to get revenge after what happened last time. So, looking, you say you're not that concerned about the Brighton attack. Looking at their defence, are there any areas that you think you could exploit? I mean, club captain Bruno often plays at fullback. He is quite old. He's quite good, but he's not quick in defence. Similarly, Lewis Dunk and Shane Duffy both get plaudits for the amount of clearances and blocks they make, but there isn't a great deal of nip in that back line. He's good on the score sheet for the opposition as well, Mr. Dunk, isn't he? <laughs> he likes to score an own goal. I think Bruno is something that. Yeah, but it's someone that Palace will target. Um, Wilf, Wilfred Zaha playing out wide because I think Wilfred Zaha before he he's destroyed him at times. He he struggled last time, but if if Wilf plays as he has been doing, um, yeah, I, that's one area that will probably target and um, play out wide and then try cut in and give the ball to Batshuayi because it'd be silly for us to play long balls to Batshuayi when you have Lou Stunk in defence. Batshuayi won't be able to cope with the physicality of Lou Stunk up in the air. So I think we'll, playing out wide will be where this game's really won. If we're, if we're effective out wide, then I think, yeah, we'll get a result. Just a quick aside before we come back to Brighton. We've reached half-time in our Champions League fixtures for the evening. Borussia Dortmund still nil-nil with Tottenham in Dortmund. That leaves Spurs still with that 3-0 aggregate lead looking pretty safe for Spurs. Now, something would have to really go wrong and certainly an away goal would make that safe. The big shock so far is that Ajax lead 2-0 against Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. As things stand, they go through three goals to two and, of course, they've got just as many away goals as the Spaniards. So Ajax in pole position, how much of a shock would that be? Yeah, that would be crazy. Um, it just shows that Real Madrid do miss Ronaldo. They just don't admit it they yeah, some, sometimes they, yeah, they when, you, when they're asked about it. But now it just shows they miss Ronaldo. Did you see Luka Modric effectively subtweet Gareth Bale in midweek where he said, of course we miss Ronaldo. When he went, we were looking for players to step up. We weren't looking for anyone to score 50 goals, Gareth, but we were looking for someone <laughs> to score 15 goals, Gareth. And it's it not can't. been very easy if for Bale. If he's on the bench, he can't. Well, that's true. And he, of course, is on the bench tonight. The thing about Ronaldo as well is that he went to Juventus and Buffon left and they might go to Champions League fight. Like that's that's the most like frustrating thing. Imagine they win the Champions League and he's not there. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's it's like if PSG win the Champions League as soon as Ibrahimovic goes to America, it'd be it would be <laughs> glorious. Anyway, Brighton talking about the defence. I still find it very odd seeing Martin Montoya in a Brighton shirt. This is a guy who broke through at Barcelona, played a lot of his football there, then went to Inter Milan, and now he's at Brighton. It seems like a very odd career trajectory. Do you think he's up to that kind of La Masia pedigree or is he someone you're gonna tear apart? Um, I think if it, it really depends on how we how we play. Andros Townsend, he got that rest. Um so that'll be an advantage for him. He's more fresh and out for this game. And he's he's also played in a couple of these fixtures, so he knows how it feels. Uh but yeah, I think another another player to target, Bruno and Montea. I think with Montea there's been lots of like Max Meyer, you see uh, lots of players coming from abroad to clubs at Palace's level and Brighton's level because it just it's like a fun, like somewhere where you can prove yourself. It's harder to go to the top six sides. Shop window, huh? Shop window. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's 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 harder to prove yourself, um, and you can just come to sides like Palace and uh, Brighton. So I wasn't, I'm not really that surprised that he's coming and doing a good job for them. To be fair. 
Yeah, it was it was a good piece of business. I think it's a very hard game to call. In terms of the midfield battle, last time out, Brighton's midfield was fairly reserved. So there was no Pascal Gross, who's generally their goal threat there. But another person who can, of course, pop up is Dutch international Davy Proper. He'll cause problems. But apart from that, Ive Basuma and Dale Stevens not perhaps offering massive cause for concern for Palace if that is the team that we see. That team beat Huddersfield Town, of course, so could be the same one that will feature. In terms of the Palace midfield, who are you looking at? Milivojevic seems to be an ever-present club captain, takes the penalties. He's got to be there. Does Coyote feature? Does Max Meyer even squeak in? I think Coyote does feature. Um, Coyote, the only reason why he was dropped in first place is because he suffered an injury. And he came in against uh, Burnley done a good job and he's just he's another bargain uh, f- that we got from West Ham Tompkins and Kiate both just great players so yeah Kiate comes in for me Luka Milivojevic stays of course he's been our captain and he's been the heart of the midfield And but the weird thing is I don't know who he's going to start in, in the third option in the 4-3-3 in midfield because MacArthur? yeah that's, that's uh, he's rested him so I guess MacArthur could start uh, ideally I would want uh, someone like Max Meyer to start. Also, Jeffrey Slup can go in there because he plays midfield as well for us. The, the, Do the you think he has the discipline? The, the thing with Jeffrey Slup is he got the player of the month last month. Mm. He's getting goals, but he's making lots of mistakes as well. So it's... And then if he's not getting goals or making mistakes, <laughs> he's non-existent. And it's... It's the getting the goals that's keeping him there, but he's so frustrating. I, I alluded to it right at the start of the show about the, the third Man United goal, which effectively killed off the game. It gave it it stopped us being able to. We were on the way to a comeback to 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 grab a draw there in that Man United game. We were playing so so well at two one, and when when uh, Van Aanholt was taken off and Jeffrey was put in that left back position, there was nobody there for was it Young who scored the last Man United goal. Uh, it could be. And That's there, game there are lots of issues. Yeah, lots of issues where he disappears. But then he pops up. He he's responsible for the Burnley own goal. He's you know the goal. It's a great ball back across. I mean, we yeah. talk a lot about the initial Zaha ball across the face of goal for Schlupp to get there and then drag it back and to do so with pace yeah. is really difficult. He's he's very very quick. And was it Doncaster who scored the brilliant goal? Uh, he's he got a goal against yeah 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 it was, yeah, it was, it was yeah. a fantastic goal and people are saying oh he shouldn't play because of all his mistakes but I was thinking about this on the way up here Darren Ambrose scored some absolutely belter goals for Palace like, like to absolute yeah. belters but what else did he actually do he disappeared for whole games he'd maybe have two significant touches of the ball and they might be goals or lead <laughs> to a goal Schlupp's a bit like that but with more mistakes uh, if I was you, I would not go into it tonight. <laughs> There'll be people messaging you and like, getting at you for comparing Dan numbers to Jeff Slot. I'm joking. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Um, but Roy, it's about trust because Roy really, if if Roy trusts a player, we've seen it. Jason McCarthy, he hasn't performed as great this season. But he's Schlott. another one that will get six or seven goals a season, which is yeah, what him popping problem. up as a goal scorer. I'm finding a little bit hard to deal with. It's not something I think of being as a part of his game. He's still, he still, he, he's been, he's missed chance this season I don't think has been James McArthur's season he's improved slightly uh, but yeah well gents we're coming to the end of the show it's been a pleasure to be joined by you uh, just first I've got to get predictions from you both it's Brighton coming up what do we reckon 
2-1 Palace. 2-1 Palace, that's DR. And Nick, what do you reckon? Uh, two for Zaha, a Milivojevic penalty and a goal for mm. Kuwati. And I think Brighton will get one back. I don't care who scores. 4-1. Four, four, you heard it here first. It should be a good weekend for the Palace. Join us next week for the Crystal Palace Fan Show. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.